Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. This is the post-game podcast from Wolves Kings on Saturday night. Another impressive Timberwolves win, beating a surefire playoff team by 12 on the road. We'll talk about the offense without Carlton Towns, how great that was, the big moments that Ant had, that Jade McDaniels had, that Rudy Gobert had, and also the Wolves' late game uh, stingy defense that turned into explosive offense down the stretch. We'll break it all down. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday. Happy Christmas Day, everybody. Hopefully you are having a fantastic holiday, a great weekend, and uh, some time away from work, some time to relax, and tons of great NBA action on today. Of course, the Wolves don't play again until Tuesday night. Today is the post-game podcast. We're talking all things Wolves-Kings from Saturday, uh, you know, kind of catching up on everything that happened. The Wolves held the Kings to 98 points, one by 12, another impressive road win against a team that had beaten them just a few weeks prior, and the Wolves are now 22 and six alone atop the West and tied for the NBA's best record still with the Boston Celtics. I want to break down that game Saturday. Of course, no Carl Anthony Towns. So a lot about the Wolves offense and some role players stepping up, um, you know, more usage available on the offensive end with no Carl Anthony Towns and, you know, Jaden McDaniels among others played fantastic. And also the defense down the stretch in this game for Minnesota to do what they did after the Kings came all the way back from a 22-point deficit in the fourth quarter. I want to talk about those last few possessions of the game as well. So plenty to get to here on the show, of course. As I said, this is the post-game podcast. So we'll do all that. We'll finish it off with individual studs and duds. Uh, first of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. Wherever you listen to podcasts, that includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Um, you can get the show there. You can also follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Um, so, man, where to start with this one? I mean, first of all, this is a team, the Kings matchup. We talked about this in the Minnesota basketball party last Wednesday. The Kings matchup scares me and Jack Borman, of course, who does our postcast and, and is on the Wednesday basketball party. He's the editor-in-chief at Canisupis. He and I were both talking about how this was a difficult matchup for Minnesota, namely due to the pace that the Kings play with, the fact they have skill inside with Sabonis, and also De'Aaron Fox is such a tough cover. And this was on the heels of, well, actually, when we talked about this Wednesday, it was right before Tyrese Maxey gave the Wolves all those problems on Wednesday. And De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Maxey certainly have some similarities. Um, you know, smaller scoring guards who play with just, you know, are essentially a fast break every time down the floor just by themselves. And, you know, the Wolves don't always, uh, you know, they they defend more with length than they do with quickness. And Mike Conley isn't the Memphis Mike Conley in terms of, well, he's still a very good defender. His, you know, lateral quickness isn't quite the same as it was, you know, eight years ago. And um, while Jaden McDaniels generally does a great job staying in front of guards, it's, you know, he struggled with Maxi last Wednesday because who doesn't, right? When these guys are... At their best, there's a reason why true top-level perimeter defenders are at a premium because it's really tough to stop the Tyrese Maxes and the Jaron Foxes of the world when they get going, and that's one of the you know the main reasons why this matchup made me nervous coming in. Um, and also, like obviously, 
the way that the Wolves played against the Kings a few weeks ago, which I, I should say, it really more the way the Kings played against the Wolves in that in-season tournament game. It was more about how lights out the Kings were from beyond the arc and how good Darren Fox was than it was about anything the Wolves did drastically wrong in that game, right? Uh, but, you know, Met, or, excuse me, Sacramento is a team that plays at an extreme pace. They're uh, 10th in the league in pace. Uh, they're third in three-point attempt rate and 15th in percentage. And those things make me nervous because the Wolves, even though they do a good job at suppressing opponent three-point attempts, which we'll talk about on Tuesday's show, I want to go a little bit more in depth on that. Um, teams that shoot a high volume of threes, there's more variance in their performance. They play a ton of possessions. There's more variance in those teams' performances. And then you add in the speed of somebody like Darren Fox. The fact that Sabonis is someone who can get opposing teams into foul trouble. The Kings are pretty middle of the pack in terms of offensive free throw rate. Uh, but the Wolves have been fouling a little bit more lately. Of course, the Sixers game just happened on Wednesday. So this matchup was a bit, um, you know, it's not my favorite matchup, you know, as, as somebody who follows the Timberwolves. So that made me a little bit nervous coming in. As it turns out, oh, and then also you add no Carl Anthony Towns, and the Wolves' front line is just simply thinner. Uh, and so I had some concerns. As it turns out, the Wolves had plenty of offense in this game, and they drove the Kings crazy with um, d- d- on the other end of the floor. So we'll start with the offense. Minnesota had a ton of paint points early. They had, um, I want to say, 20 of their 28 points the first quarter in the paint. I don't have that right in front of me, but I believe that that's what it was. Um, and it was just the Wolves had such a great plan for the Kings playing aggressively in, in pick and roll coverage. Um, the Kings were pretty much playing everything at the level and occasionally even hedging even harder and, and almost almost, you know, playing a high wall type blitzing coverage in pick and roll. And this was like Anthony Edwards. I mean, Mike Conley always handles that type of pressure really well. But last year, and, and obviously prior in Anthony Edwards' career, he didn't always handle that ball pressure extremely well in pick-and-roll game. He would kind of panic, would either try and force something himself or you know throw a crazy pass to the opposite corner or whatever, like turn the ball over. And he just did a really good job of finding the open guy, whether it was you know waiting that extra beat, that half beat, to get the defender sucked all the way out, give himself enough of a window to fire a pass into Rudy. It was often Rudy that was rolling. Um or if, if it was a pass, you know, a pass to an assist, right? The pass to somebody else that can get an assist because two are playing the ball. And the Kings actually, I don't think, covered that badly. Like, they still had guys tagging the roller. They had guys stepping up to try and get to Gobert. And then Gobert was making the right play, right? Um, he only had one assist in this game. But there were multiple instances where whatever, whoever, whatever big it was, Rudy or Nas typically, or Kyle Anderson, whoever was setting the screen, could then turn and hit somebody else, Um you know, with with a uh, with a pass that hopefully would lead to a bucket. The Wolves, by the way, had 31 assists on 44 made field goals in this game, which is an incredible ratio. It was really good the other night too in their win on uh, on Thursday over the Lakers. That their assist to made basket ratio, or assist percentage, I guess if you will, um, was really impressive in that game too. So the Wolves passing in general was really on point in this game. And credit Mike Conley, credit Anthony Edwards. Uh, Ant had 10 assists. Conley had nine. Uh, by the way, also having I didn't talk about the starting lineup yet, but Carlton Towns not playing. So the obvious, you know, conventional wisdom would be, oh, Nas would be in the starting lineup. He's going to pick up a lot of those minutes. Uh, well, you know, maybe if Cat was out for an extended period of time, but in in what could just be a one game absence or you know, hopefully a much a really short term absence, plug and play with slow mo makes a ton of sense because um, Kyle Anderson is a he's just a really good passer and a team that the Wolves figured was going to play aggressively to put Kyle Anderson out there. And, and, and he's a more, well, Nas can make strong passes and and make the flashy pass from now, from time to time. And for a big, he, you know, 
he can pass. He's he's nimble, right? He's got that skill set. Kyle Anderson is a much more solid, heady passer, and I would say more consistent passer in general. I know he's had some turnover issues this year overall, but he made sense to me to plug into the starting lineup, and then that way you're not asking, you know, in, if you put Nas in the starting lineup, Nas is going to try and replicate what Cat does offensively from a scoring perspective. Kyle Anderson can simply pick up the slack from a passing and distribution standpoint, and he's probably even a better passer than Carlton Towns. Certainly he's looking to pass more than Cat is, and that's not a knock on Cat. That's just the type of player Kyle Anderson is. He essentially plays point forward for this team, you know, frequently. And then all you're doing from there is asking Jaden McDaniels to pick up some of that scoring slack and ask Ant to be even a little bit more high usage, which he has no problem doing. So sure enough, you end up with Ant with 34 points. You have Gobert with 21. And Jaden McDaniels launches 16 shots in this game, nine three-pointers, and finishes with 20 points and was really, really solid on both ends of the floor. Better than solid, really. Um, so Kyle Anderson picks up the passing and the size elements of it um, of the of Cat's absence, and then you're just asking Jaden McDaniels to do more offensively. McDaniels actually ended up playing more minutes in this game than anyone else. He had a game high 41 minutes, um, which we'll, we'll talk more about McDaniels later. But in terms of the starting lineup and the way the Wolves attacked offensively to start the game, that was kind of the game plan. Is like, hey, the Kings are gonna be aggressive. Let's put somebody who's slow and can counteract that pace. And not literally for that reason, but that's kind of a, maybe an unintended benefit, or maybe it was intended. In addition to the the passing chops that Slomo brings to the game, he gets the ball in a short roll, and he can just kick it to the to the corner, or dump it down to Rudy, or maybe Kyle Anderson operates in pick and roll. Like any of those options are available, and the Wolves in general, whether it was Ant, whether it was Conley, whether it was Slomo, those guys all pass really well at a pick and roll game. McDaniel's picked up a lot of the scoring slack. And the Wolves just kind of built on what they were doing throughout the game offensively. They're up eight at the end of the first quarter. They're up 12 at halftime. Third quarter, the Kings put up a fight. The Wolves are actually a minus one in the third, which is you know, the opposite of what we're typical or what we typically see out of the Wolves in the third quarter. And um, it, was, it wasn't until the fourth when Minnesota really surged forward even more and made this a 20-plus point lead. I want to talk about late fourth quarter. The Wolves built that lead. Then they relinquished it. I want to talk about you know, the end of the fourth, we'll talk key takeaways before we get into individual studs and duds. That's what we'll do next year. All right, a big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Uh, also, a reminder that Lockdown now has the Locked On, uh, the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Um, so late fourth quarter, the Timberwolves are, they actually built a lead of 22 midway through the fourth. Um and it, the lead had kind of hovered around 20 for a while, and, and it got up to, I think, 19 at one point in the third quarter. It was back down to, what was it? It was, uh, I think, 13 going to the fourth quarter. But the Wolves, again, they pushed it all the way up to 22 with, what, about seven minutes left? I'm going to get the exact. Uh, yeah, they're up 22 with 721 left in the game, so just over seven minutes. And then from there, all of a sudden, the Kings gone a really quick uh, 8-0 run, which most of it was Harrison Barnes. They go on an 8-0 run. No, I'm sorry, an 11 no, a 13-0 run. Uh, the Wolves kind of get a couple buckets in there, and then all of a sudden it gets back down to a five-point game with exactly two minutes to play after Trey Lyles gets a dunk, uh, or a layup, I guess. Now it's a five-point game with two minutes left. Of course, the Golden 1 center is rocking. Like, this is, it's down to actual crunch time now after the Wolves were just up 22. Like, literally, took just over five minutes 
for the Kings to 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 shave what? 17 points from 22 down to five. Yeah, 17 points off the Wolves lead. And then the Wolves come down. McDaniels hits a tough shot. So now it's back to seven. But then on the ensuing possession defensively, um, the Kings get an offensive rebound, which the Wolves did a good enough job on the glass in this game. They ended up a plus two overall. But the Kings get an offensive rebound with about a minute and a half left. Trey Lyles in the left corner tries to find, I forget who it was, on the right side. And uh, Ant just, like, it was a bad pass by Trey Lyles. But Ant did, you know, did the free safety thing where he just, he looked up, his eyes followed, you know, the eyes of the guy with the ball. He jumps out, grabs the pass and gets down the court and gets a dunk in transition. Then on the other end, now it's a nine point game with just over a minute to play. McDaniels or Darren Fox gets McDaniels in space. McDaniels does what hardly anybody could do last year. Remember Darren Fox was pretty Clearly the best clutch player of the league last season. By the way, side note, one of the reasons I thought the Kings would regress a bit this year is they were so good in close late situations. And Darren Fox was ridiculously good. This team was also really healthy. Like, for all those reasons, I I thought maybe we'd see some regression from the Kings. So far, I think they're pretty on pace to hit their over-under or their win total. Um, So I, I could be wrong there. But anyway, at least in this game, there was some regression. Because Darren Fox had to take on Jaden McDaniels. McDaniels gets him, uh, or Fox gets into the paint. McDaniels actually blocks. Uh, you know, Darren Fox is so good at getting to his spots, right? He's so quick. McDaniels just beat him to the spot, blocked his shot. Kyle Anderson grabs it, pushes it up to, um, I think to Ant. Yeah, pushes it up to Ant, and then Ant just takes it all the way down. Euros gets the and one, puts the Wolves up 11 with a minute to play, or actually by 12 with a minute to play, and that was it. That was all she wrote. Uh, they traded a couple three-pointers. Conley hit a dagger with 30 seconds left. But that sequence was kind of the embodiment of the Wolves' season in a sense, right? It was um, McDaniels hitting a shot, great team defense, Ant getting a fast-break dunk, more great individual defense from Jaden McDaniels, and then slow-mo and Ant running the break, getting a bucket. And it hasn't always been pretty. It often is. hasn't always been pretty. And especially some of these games that the Wolves, I don't want to say dominate, but they're in control of for most of it, and then they allow the opponent back in, and then they end up winning. Um, it, it was a different sort of level of comfort, I guess, than what we saw in the Lakers game Thursday. But at times, it still kind of felt like the Wolves were like, ah, we have this one in the bag. We can turn it on whenever we need to, which is, of course, a little bit dangerous. But it's also, I said this a lot, or I said this a bunch on Friday's show, the the postgame pod from the win over the Lakers. It happens with good teams, right? And this was a good team playing a good team. And the Wolves still kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit there in the fourth quarter. And, And I should also say this. I actually thought the offense operated fine. There were a couple of ant possessions where he did the thing where he just kind of pounds the rock and then launches a three. He was three of 12 outside the arc in this game. That's my only kind of quibble with the Wolves offense. I actually thought the process was good in the fourth quarter. Even while the Kings are making their run, the Wolves mostly got good shots. They just missed them. Um, Conley had a three-point shot rim out. Ant had a pull-up jumper from in two-point range, uh, like a uh, right side of the floor that rimmed out. Um, Alexander Walker, I think, missed a, yeah, he had a layup that just kind of rimmed out. Uh, McDaniels missed a three-pointer that wasn't a bad shot. Like, the, it wasn't all just anti-isos. It wasn't sloppy, you know, rushed stuff in transition. It wasn't, you know, missed a bunch of missed layups. It was one missed layup. But, like, these were all shots that just kind of rimmed out. Um, and the process was good. The passing was good. I didn't really have a problem with how the Wolves played in the fourth quarter, except for a couple of those ant possessions, which really it was more well the Wolves were building that lead. Like it was when they were up by 20-ish points. He had a couple of those. And then very late in the game, he had a couple of those. But throughout that, like, what was it? 13-0 Kings run and they cut 17 points off the lead in five minutes. 
actually thought the offensive process wasn't bad for the Wolves. And it was just missed shots. And that happens. And the Kings are a good team. They turned it on offensively. And then when it really mattered, down the stretch, in clutch time, final two minutes, the Wolves turned it on defensively. And that was all she wrote. And they held a Sacramento offense that is fantastic, even after this game. This is still the 13th best offense in the league. They were the league's uh were they the best offense last year? Yeah, they were. They were number one in offensive rating last year. They were even after this game, they're 13th in the league this year. They're 10th in pace. What did I say? Third in three point attempt rate, 15th in percentage. They held this team to 98 points. They held this team to here, I'll throw up the stats real quick if you're watching on YouTube. Um, they held this team to 98 points. They held them to 43.5% shooting from the field. And just another um uh, like another notch in the belt, if you will, for for the Timberwolves this year in terms of how they played against good offenses. This isn't a top 10 offense currently, but I talked about this last week. Um, I think the Sixers are now the only team with a top 10 offense that's beaten the Wolves. The Wolves are, if I if I remember correctly now, 6-1 and one against teams with top 10 offenses. And Sacramento, when it's all said and done this year, very likely will have a top 10 offense. And they were, again, the number one team in the league last year in terms of offensive efficiency. It's effectively the same roster. They missed Aaron Fox for a few games this year. They had a couple of injuries. But um, this is a good offensive team, make no mistake. The Wolves held them under 44% shooting from the field. They held them to 30%, or excuse me, 24% on three-point attempts. Eight of 33 outside the arc is 24.2%. And, uh, you know, they turned him over 11 times. They only allowed eight offensive rebounds to Sacramento. And, uh, you know, Sacramento's not a huge offensive rebounding team, but still, uh, to be able to limit those opportunities, free throw attempts, you know, the Wolves lost in that category, as you can see there on your screen. Um, They only shot 14 free throws to Sacramento's 21. But in general, the Wolves did a really good job and and to hold this offense to 98 points on 43.5% shooting and 20%. Uh, from outside the arc, 24%, excuse me, from outside the arc is really impressive for Minnesota. And uh, like down the stretch, I, I don't know what else to say about that. So some additional additional takeaways. Um, I, I kind of talked about this already, but in the first segment, but the way that the Wolves covered for Cat's absence by ball movement, by Jade McDaniels doing his thing, and we'll talk studs and duds. We'll talk more about these guys individually, but the Wolves offensively um, kind of papered over Cat's absence and did a really good job of of coming up with enough points to beat a really good offensive team. Uh, paint points, I alluded to this earlier. The Wolves did a bunch of this early. We, I haven't even talked that much about Rudy Gobert, and obviously he's a big part of all of this. Um, but paint points in this game, Minnesota was a plus 14 points in the paint, 66 points in the paints for the points in the paint for the Wolves. You know, not a very good defensive team, so they should dominate the paint, but good to see them do what they're supposed to do. A plus 14 in terms of points in the paint, a plus 23 in fast break points in this game, 28 to 5 against a team that is known for playing with pace against a team. By the way, the, the Kings actually only turned it over 11 times in this game, and Minnesota made them pay. They had 16 points off 11 Kings turnovers. The Kings only had 10 points off 12 Minnesota turnovers. And again, the Wolves are a plus 23 in fast break points, a plus 14 points in the paint. And that is how you beat a team with an efficient offense on the road like that. Um, Also, a side note related to the end of the game, the Timberwolves' length um, just really bothered the Kings up and down the floor throughout this game. I didn't mention this, or I should have. Darren Fox and, uh, I almost said Arvidas, oh my goodness. 
shows, I guess it shows my age. Arvidas Sabonis, right? Um, Darren Fox and Damanis Sabonis, neither one of them scored in the fourth quarter. Both had goose eggs in the fourth quarter of this game because of the Wolves' defense, because of the Wolves' length, I should say, on the perimeter. And um, also limited second chance opportunities was a big thing late in the game as well. Um, but the, Fox and Sabonis, the Kings' two best players to not have any points. I think Fox had 27 points coming into the fourth quarter. Uh, Sabonis had 17 um, and both of them were efficient for the game. It was just the Wolves didn't let them get to their spots late. And then when they did, they didn't let them get off a clean look. Like Sabonis was 7-12 to 12 shooting, not a single point in the fourth quarter. Fox was 10-23. to 23, Like, that's decently efficient for him. He was 3-11 of 11 on three-pointers. So, what, he was 7-12 of 12 on two-point attempts. Not a single point in the fourth quarter for De'Aaron Fox. Um, the Wolves did a great job limiting those guys in the fourth and limiting everyone else over the course of the game. Keegan Murray was good. I mean, he's a really good player. Kevin Herter had two points in 15 minutes, was a minus 19. The Wolves dominated him, especially early in the game. Um, Harrison Barnes only 12 points in this game, and he's been good for them. Trey Lyles had 10 off the bench. Like, nobody else did anything. Like, those were your only other guys that were in double figures other than Keegan Murray and then Sabonis and Fox, who each did nothing in the fourth quarter. So that was really impressive for Minnesota there down the stretch. Uh, using their length to dominate late in this game. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about studs and duds, some of these other stats uh, here as we close out the show today. And uh, that's that's what we'll do here to close it out. All right. Individual studs and duds from Wolves Kings. We talked a little bit about Rudy earlier, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk about him enough. Rudy was phenomenal. This was probably a top three Rudy Timberwolves game, certainly this season, and there were only a couple last year that even would make that list of even top 10 Rudy games in a Wolves uniform. He was fantastic in this game. And Sabonis, yeah, Sabonis had a couple of highlights. He had a a nice hook shot, a couple of dunks, the one where he hit Rudy in the face and easily could have been called for an offensive foul, but it was a nice dunk nonetheless. Um, All right, that's nice. He had 17 on 12 shots. Well, guess what? Rudy had 21 on 13 shots which is better. Uh, He was also, he had 17 boards. Demonis Sabonis had 10 boards. Rudy had six offensive rebounds. Sabonis had one offensive rebound. Rudy had two blocks. Demonis Sabonis had zero blocks in this game. Rudy had one turnover. Demonis Sabonis had three turnovers. Rudy was a plus 27. uh, Demonis Sabonis was a minus 17. The Wolves won by 12. Um, Gobert dominated Sabonis in this game. He just did. Uh, I don't care that Sabonis hit a hook shot. I don't care that he had a couple of dunks. Rudy was the better player. Rudy was fantastic. Um, I, like I, I, what I've said this so many times. I'm just like at a loss for words. Like you pick almost any possession. In fact, the possession that Sabonis got the dunk on, I actually had. It was like three minutes left, maybe in the third quarter. I think I looked at the time because I was like, I want to talk about this possession later. Because until that point, it was such a good Wolves defensive possession. I think Shake Milton was on the floor for it, but the Wolves were covering for each other. They were xing out on the perimeter, denied multiple drives and and potential shot attempts from the Kings, and then it finished with a Sabonis dunk. But everything else was right. And how many times in this game did Rudy simply deny the shot from ever occurring in the first place, or block a shot at the rim, or alter a shot at the rim? Um, Rudy was so, so good and just provided that security blanket backline defense like he typically does for Minnesota. 21 on 13 shot attempts, 17 rebounds, six offensive rebounds, one assist, one of two at the line, a couple of blocks, only one turnover for Rudy Gobert in this game. Uh, Anthony Edwards, 34, 10, and 5, 13 at 27 shooting. If he just didn't launch so many threes, like, 
over the course of the game contested. I don't know why he shot 12 threes, which like in general, and I, if you're a regular listener, you know, I talk about this all the time. Shooting more threes is almost always better. It just was weird that he did it so much in this game because he did everything else so well. Ten, ten assists. He did turn over five times and he was sloppy the other night with his passing. But, um, you know, 34 on 27 shots, 10 assists, five boards. You know, you take a few missed threes and some turnovers along with that. Like, I thought Ant was really good in this game. Five of five at the line. Uh, probably could have gone to the line a couple more times, which is usually the case with Anthony Edwards. But I thought he played well in this game. Um, it was good defensively. I thought he was, it was mostly, I haven't talked about Alexander Walker, but it was Nikhil Alexander-Walker and then mostly Jaden McDaniels that shut down Fox in the fourth quarter. But Ant was good overall. Uh, my third stud is Jaden McDaniels. 20 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 3 of 9 from outside the arc, 5 rebounds, 4 steals, 1 assist, 1 block, 0 turnovers in 41 minutes, a game-high 41 minutes for Jaden McDaniels. I talked about this already, but he picked up that offensive slack that you're missing with no Carl Anthony Towns. He was phenomenal defensively, and I like... Ant talked with us after the game, like, he's got to be first-team all-defense. He's so, 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 so good. Uh, Mike Brown, Kings coach, shouted him out after the game. Um, which, by the way, well, I'll get to this in a second. Mike Run had another comment I wanted to talk about. Um, I, McDaniels was great. He was awesome in this game. Um, not much more you can say about him. Uh, Dud-wise, I don't really have any duds for this game. Like, everybody played pretty well. Nikhil Alexander-Walker didn't do anything offensively. He had not a single stat other than shooting one of four. Like, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, no turnovers. Pretty nondescript game, but some really strong defense for Nas. So um, not a whole lot to say there. There really aren't any duds. Rotation-wise, the Wolves actually played 10 guys in this game. McDaniels got a, uh, excuse me, Jordan McLaughlin played a couple of minutes. Troy Brown Jr. played three minutes. I think it was only in the first half. And then Shake actually got rotation minutes in both halves. So Chris Finch is clearly, now that this team's getting healthy, and with no Carl Thitty Towns, obviously there were a few more minutes in general, even if, you know, guys were shifting positions slightly, you know, uh, shifting down the spectrum in terms of their their positions, uh, you know, technically. Um, that's why, you know, there are a few more minutes available. But still, playing 10 guys, trying to keep guys fresh. Chris Finch wants to play Jordan McLaughlin. And sure enough, in those two minutes, he had two assists, no turnovers, didn't register any other stats. Uh, Troy Brown played three first half minutes. Shake played 14 minutes overall, scored five points, knocked down a corner three. Um Nas Reed was okay, you know, six points, only played 19 minutes, which is a little bit weird in a game with no Carl Anthony Towns. But again, Kyle Anderson was good, played 29 minutes, started, had 10, 5, and 5 for Kyle Anderson. And the Wolves just didn't need Nas to do as much in this game, weirdly enough, which I expected, and I said this, I think, on Friday, expected him to need to do more, to play fast, to uh, play more minutes, to do what Nas does against a, 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 I thought would be a really high scoring game. But as it turns out, the Wolves defense was so good. Sacramento only managed 98 points. Um, so it's a good thing. They didn't necessarily need more offense from Nas Reed, but across the board, all 10 guys that played, played well. I think the rotation stuff was pretty interesting um, as well. So we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. You know, it's still your typical top seven, uh, you know, minus towns in this game. So, you know, Top top eight became top seven, and then those last couple of rotation spots kind of sliding back and forth between Shake and Troy Brown, and now you've got McLaughlin in the mix. Um, and I think I think the right play is trying to get them all run. You know, every now and again, each of them could see a DNPCD, but you don't want to stack those, right? You don't want Brown or McLaughlin or Milton to see two, three of those in a row. You want to find them some minutes here and there and keep them fresh. And I think Finch has done a really good job of doing that. Well, this team is still just picking up Ws uh, nearly every time out. Um, peeking ahead, so, well, actually, 
Real quick, real quick, I want to throw the stats back up if you're watching on YouTube. I talked about the field goal percentage. The Wolves made a couple more threes in the same number of attempts as Sacramento. Sacramento's 24% from deep. The Wolves were 30. Uh, Minnesota was a minus one in the turnover category, but again, uh, plus three in rebounds, plus 12 in terms of points in the paint, and a plus 23 in fast break points in this game. Uh, minus four at the free throw line. But again, if you win, you know, they they were a plus six in terms of points outside the arc. They were a minus four at the line. So if you win that differential, you're going to be in a good place, especially if you stack those points to the paint and uh, fast break points as well. So really strong in those categories for Minnesota. Mike Brown, this is a, a tease ahead to, to Tuesday's show. Mike Brown talked postgame, the Kings head coach, about how impressed he was with the Wolves defense and how difficult it was for Sacramento to get off shots. And he said, like, even if you're shooting open threes, they speed you up just enough. I'm paraphrasing, of course. They speed you up enough because you're worried about their length. And and even though they're very rarely going to block, actually block a three-point attempt, you know that they're there and that they're long and that they're going to, you know, they're going to hurry you. I've talked about this before on the show this year. The Wolves are doing a really good job at limiting corner three-point attempts, limiting three-point attempts in general, limiting rim attempts, and when their opponents do shoot at the rim, they don't shoot it well at the rim. The Wolves' shot profile is extremely strong, and this was a really good example of a game where the Wolves took a good offensive team and said, hey, you're not going to score as much as us in the paint, and you're not going to score as well as us from outside the arc, and we're going to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. The Wolves' defensive shot profile is so strong, it doesn't matter really who they play against, unless it's apparently Joel Embiid. The one blind spot the Wolves have, and I know that technically they're doing okay in terms of limiting free throw attempts, but they're so good everywhere else that I would argue that they're defending without fouling is still an area that if they improved even a little bit in, this would be like potentially historically great defense. Like we're only a third of the way through the season, not even, I don't think quite, or maybe actually went be exactly a third of the way somewhere like something like that. Um, I think we are exactly a third of the way, pretty close. Um, like there's still a chance for this defense to get better and it's defending without fouling. Like again, in this game, they allowed 21 free throw attempts. They only got 14 themselves. Like that's fine. If you win points of the pain and win the three point battle. Uh, but that is an area they could improve. Other than that, this defense is so good. And I want to talk basically what that Mike Brown quote was alluding to. I want to break that down a bit more on on Tuesday's show. I want to get into the Wolves' defensive shot profile. It's been a couple of weeks since we've really dug into that and really kind of play that out a bit further. So that'll be Tuesday's show. We're still doing five shows this week, um, just like we always do. You know, Even though we're in the midst of the holidays, we'll do five shows. I don't think we'll have a basketball party Wednesday, so we'll be short there, but uh, we should have postcasts and everything all week long. The Wolves next take on the Thunder tomorrow night, Tuesday night, at Oklahoma City. Um, and we'll also, I'll briefly preview that matchup. We'll talk about the last time the Wolves took out the Thunder a few weeks ago here. That'll be, you know, the end of the show on Tuesday. So we'll spend most of the show talking about the defense, digging into the numbers, and then we'll get into the Wolves-Thunder matchup. So that'll be Tuesday's show. Of course, Wednesday will be the post-game pod from Tuesday, and then we'll get into the rest of the week from there. So, um, that's all we have for you today. A big thank you once again for watching. A big thank you for listening to Lockdown Wolves, for making us your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.